Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is you're listening to this, hello. What's up, folks? How's everybody doing? Um, This is Josh, and this is our show, In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation and what that means to us, what that means to me, is proletarian revolution. So let's talk about it. For folks who are tuning in for the first time, I am Josh. Uh, I'm the host. I use she, her, hers. And I'm out here in upstate New York. Fuck the snow, fuck the cold. It's middle of January. What the fuck is up, everybody? I'm on my way to work. This is a morning commute. I got to figure out how to get better with editing and all that shit. But anyways. So again, for folks who are tuning in for the first time, what that means is that this is just me spitballing. So there's a general path we're following. That is the path that I'm driving on the way to work. Other than that, there's moderately thought out concepts, ideas, thoughts sprinkled in with a lot of ridiculous commentary and stuff that you probably don't maybe uh, necessarily care about. Um, And also me trying to be funny, which is always, you know, quite the show. Anyways, uh, I will say anyways and uh, a lot. So basically what I'm saying is that don't take nothing I say as like a rule. Um, The general concept of the show really is that we're learning together. So... Especially on morning commute episodes, it's mostly me talking about things in the car, on the way to work, on the way to wherever I'm going, uh, and just chopping it up about whatever has been having me gnawing at the bit. So, if that's something you're interested in, feel free to tune in, listen to the episode. If not, uh, that's cool, I get it, sometimes this shit is boring, and it's also not important. So, don't fucking listen to it because, honestly, you could be doing a lot better shit with your time. I'm wasting 35 to 40 minutes on my drive. So, I'm making use of my time, you know? But, if you have any interest in other content, like interviews, discussion of history, more in-depth theory... Uh, We got a couple episodes coming up here soon. The first of the kind of, quote, series of getting me back in the game of podcasting again uh, is going to be on anti-imperialism and internationalism within the United States. Um, Because that is where I live. Uh, But we should hopefully have some interviews with some comrades and friends of the show. So be on the lookout for that. Alrighty. 
Anyways, if ever you want to reach out, give any suggestions, share any comments, ideas, thoughts, concerns, questions, criticisms, um, you can email me at indefenseofliberation if you got a lot of shit that you want to say. Uh, or you can find me on Twitter at redstarbitch420. <laughs> And then you can also find me on Instagram at In Defense of Liberation. But, yeah, let's uh, get into it. So, first things first, today is the first day I'm wearing makeup to work. I got eyeliner and, like, uh, the shit you put on your eyelashes. As you can tell, I'm really good and know everything about makeup. Um, basically, no one at my job knows I'm trans, so I... I'm a little nervous, a little concerned about how it's going to go, um, but the reason why I bring this up is because having recently come out um, and dealing with the question, the concerns, and all the you know complications that come with not only being trans, but also like in a shitty capitalist society. And also as someone who doesn't necessarily see being trans or my identity in general as the most important part of me. Um, because really what it comes down to is what I, what I do, not who I am and what I say. Um, <clears throat> folks switch up, you know, but if your actions are legit, that's kind of how you can really gauge a person, so all that to say, you know, it's been a struggle, we are on the struggle bus, each and every one of us every day, and there have been a lot of comrades along the way who have really helped so this episode is dedicated to them first and foremost I want to shout out my homie Azriel. Um, they are an incredible incredible comrade who I met online <laughs> during the pandemic um, and we've been friends ever since great comrade I also want to shout out my uh, good friend Sid who will probably never listen to this, um, who transitioned at a very young age when I was still a little reactionary twat, and I gave a lot of bullshit to him for no reason other than, you know, that's what mommy and daddy did. That's what, that's what you know, my fucking family thought about trans people and he never just tossed me aside I'm sure he hated me as he should but as I realized what a fucking piece of shit I was slash am not like that anymore but we're all you know assholes deep down in our heart he helped me a lot to grow and to, you know, 
it seems likely to come to accept myself whether you know I knew or he knew at the time that's what was to come of that or whether it was just a very great friendship so yeah shout out Sid I'm about to cry <laughs> skeer uh real hard fucking cut here folks um <laughs> I was listening back to this and I realized that there are um a couple other people I want to shout out so uh my lovely and amazing beautiful partner um who is non-binary who came out like two years ago who i love deeper and deeper every single day and who helped me to come to an understanding about myself has always valued me has always seen me as beautiful treated me right uh and and kept me together since i was uh well, since we were about 15 years old, going on almost nine years. Um, so obviously want to make sure I add that in there. And then also um, the homie Brent um, over at Rad Reads for always being mad supportive, always being uh, super, super caring and compassionate and kind always one of the best people to get on the phone and chat with one of the best people to be able to vent to and express kind of things that have been going on and definitely someone I couldn't be here without um and so many others who I've met over the years uh my homie Andres who has always helped me you know see through things the homie uh comrade Libre over at Troika Collective for always being compassionate and kind as well um and so many others but just wanted to add that in here really quick it's going to sound terrible in the official edited post but i don't really care um but also you know i do have to say that folks like allison escalante over at the red media uh or excuse me red menace uh, podcast with Brett O'Shea, the host of Rev Left. She is so, like, so fucking smart, so incredibly smart. And from the beginning, when I started to, you know, really engage in these ideas, really try to learn and understand, but also, like, break down what I knew, Red Menace and Rev Left were like two that I frequented and I especially loved Red Menace because of course Allison's there more often and you know I don't know if I just intrinsically knew it deep down inside or what but I always felt particularly um, encouraged uh, and inspired by shit that she said and did so shout out to Allison and then in the same vein uh, the homie Esperanza, uh, who is with the Answer Coalition, who is, uh, absolute fucking incredibly intelligent, incredibly principled, an incredibly fucking motivated person, um, who I also got introduced to through Rev Left you know, does a lot of 
social media like discussion in a way that I think is pretty well done. Of course, this isn't all she does. Um, she's also a union organizer. And the, like, intelligence that these two people have and the ability to, like, just be trans and just live life and be perfectly able to defend, like, who they are or themselves in the, you know, the truest sense, um, I think that's badass. And I also think it's, like, know probably a huge stepping stone for me to see these positive figures um, rather than the stigmatized stereotyped and ridiculous uh, ways that we see trans folks you know turned into either sex symbols and more like sex objects um, or just like tokens right so, <clears throat> lastly, <clears throat> excuse me. Lastly, I also have to shout out my coworkers. Um, I won't name them by name, but we got a couple trans queer homies showing up at the community college, uh, and were for the most part all not necessarily closeted, but not like again. The main thing that we talk with people about is not, hi, I'm trans. Um, But, you know, we're just trying to live life. And we also don't want to be fucking turned into token queer folks at this goddamn school. Because that's all they do to people there. But recently, right? Like, I only came out like two weeks ago. Um... which is is weird being 23 and, like, realizing that, but I'm glad it didn't take me till 53. Um, again, all, all because of folks like this in my life. Uh, we've been, like, chit-chatting on Discord and, like, you know, just kind of keeping each other going throughout the day, shit-talking the school, um, <laughs> which definitely helps. Uh, but... You know, I think, again, just seeing queer folks, trans folks, like, just living life is so beautiful. Um, So today, what I want to talk about is a couple things. And again, this episode is dedicated to those homies. And also to the Cuban Revolution and the Cuban people. So today we're going to talk a little bit about the Code of Families, the Code of Families in Cuba, specifically, which was recently ratified through a referendum, a popular vote of, I want to say, 62%, of which um, some of whom, in fact, actually, who voted against it, we're hoping for even more progressive and even more revolutionary kind of developments. But of course, 
in a real democratic situation such as a revolutionary socialist nation like Cuba what it really comes down to is not only like what kind of ideals and hopes do we have but gauging the material reality we are in how can we use this document this referendum this you know code of families to get us to where we want to go right because that is what we might call a dialectical development or a development that is conscious of the fact that it is a part of a process and therein if and when they can't take the full step that you know obviously at least at least the majority of people in Cuba want to take they will dedicate themselves to any type of real revolutionary progress that they can feasibly accomplish and this is not as some might have us wanting to believe because the Cuban Communist Party says so or because uh, President Miguel Diaz Canal said so or because Raul Castro uh, or Fidel Castro's you know kind of uh, ghost spirit uh, ideology haunts over the people through mind control and da 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 but in fact it is because the Cuban people are as Emilcar Cabral says in his speech about the Cubans and their progress in 1966 he says the real objective uh, base that allows for the revolutionary change I'm paraphrasing here is a consciously educated and organized mass of the people so in Cuba right I talk to a lot of the homies who are in the study group who come to the different events I'm at, who I've talked to, who have been in the parties I've been in or organizations I've been, you know, around, who've gone to Cuba. And I talk to them. And I also, of course, you know, watch Belly of the Beast Cuba, Cowception um, News, Troika Collective and others who do, you know, breakthrough news, good coverage of especially like <clears throat> just average either American or non-American quote tourists in Cuba. And they ask them, you know, questions about did you know it's like illegal for this or did you know that the U.S. is still doing that to Cuba? Um, what do you think about life here? Did you know education, health care, housing are all guaranteed human rights? Da 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 da. And um, in kind of engaging in all that, I, first of all, 
am dying, dying desperately to go to Cuba. Um, so anybody who wants to give advice for that, uh, please reach out. Um, I've also connected with and checked out groups like IFCO, Pastors for Peace, Venceremos Brigade, um, and plenty of other organizations that are doing like people-to-people work between different nations. Um, And so when the last 20 or so years 20 to 30 years, right, began to pressurize and encircle more and more and ensnare more and more the Cuban people's ability to really develop as they should to be able to fully concretize their revolution and consolidate their power. Through imperialism, through capitalism's brutal destruction of the Soviet Union, through imperialism's reassessment, redevelopment, rehashing of neocolonialism, neoliberalism, austerity politics, um, outright bank theft. We are not only in a stage of imperialism, but we are in a stage of a particular, or I should say a particularly developed and organized and conscious and subtle imperialism. It's uh, amazing that anything, anything gets done anywhere except for the wealthiest nations in the world. Especially as regards things like socio-cultural relations. So, I mentioned this note about imperialism because we commonly see critiques and criticisms of the Cuban Communist Party and of Fidel and Che themselves, among others, for a particular reactionary or backward ideal which comes from the imperialist and especially the colonist mindset, which is implanted and forcefully fed to those who suffer at the brutality end of imperialism and colonialism. And that is homophobia. So, of course, we all have seen the Twitter threads, the Reddit posts, the Facebook posts that Fidel and Che were homophobes, that gay people in Cuba were put in special labor camps and isolated and re-educated and that like the Soviet Union during the 30s and 40s and a lot of other 
socialist and communist parties. They saw things like homosexuality, transgender people, uh, as essentially a bourgeois uh, reverberation, which was essentially this idea that someone chose to be gay or chose to be trans or chose to be a lesbian or chose to be non-binary, probably not maybe the term that or terminology in any sense that they would have used at the time. Not because that's how they're born, that's how they're wired, that's how they're made, that's who they are, but because like it's like a decadence. It's like like they talked about it actually on Rev Left's most recent episode on uh, reimagining Soviet Georgia or with reimagining Soviet Georgia. And they talked about kind of the persecution of gay people in Soviet Union and how uh, the granddaughter of Harry Haywood, or excuse me, the daughter of Harry Haywood, who was a CPUSA member, a black comrade who went to the Soviet Union, uh, how he his daughter was a lesbian and how he basically never really valued or validated her for that. But anyways, I'm getting off track here. So what happens, right, is that a country, a nation, Cuba, which is encircled by and subjected to over the course of a hundred plus years of colonial and imperial oppression, that the revolutionaries and those who broke with and started to develop away from the old society, they had a particular, this is the accusation of course, that they had a particular homage or anchor to the old society, when in fact what it really is, it's not like, at least as far as, you know, any real study can show. Fidel and Che were not, like, reactionary homophobes who wanted, as people in the United States do, as presidents, congresspeople, senators, uh, assembly people, jurors, uh, judges, in the United States, uh, want, still today. It's not as if they wanted the death or the oppression and repression or subjugation of LGBTQ plus folks, right? They didn't understand them because they were brought up in a backward society that doesn't understand LGBTQ plus people. So because of that, you have... um, You have an unfortunate reality, which is that at the beginning of the revolution... A majority of the people who might have begun to become somewhat conscious of themselves as a class, maybe not so much in those terms, but became conscious enough to have a national liberation movement, were not, as the Cuban people are today, a conscious, educated, and organized mass of people. Uh, And reactionism kind of led the way still in a lot of these less overtly political quote-unquote power questions and more so about 
what then uh, the political, social, economic, and cultural livelihood for the mass of people was like. So in that sense, we cannot judge or necessarily critique based off of what, of course, we know today, but have to not excuse, but evaluate things through the material conditions and historical circumstances they existed in. So eventually, of course, we know that Che, Fidel, the whole Communist Party, and the people of Cuba educated themselves, broke away from this reactionary ideal, and in fact have some of the most safe, beautiful, and fantastic relations between LGBTQ plus folks and others, but also allow for and directly build a society which uh, believes in the fact that LGBTQ plus folks should have the power that anybody else has to dictate and decide their own destiny through political power, social power, uh, cultural power, in the sense that they are not suppressed, subjugate, subjugated, repressed, or oppressed in any systematic or structural way. There might be individuals and there might be even groups of people who still have and hold on to backwards ideals. But the state, the Cuban Communist Party, and the mass of people stand against homophobia, transphobia, and reactionism. Now, much is clear in the actual writing, the decision-making, and the voting in of the code of families that passed last year. So, I'm no expert. Please look into it. Read the document yourself. It's decently short. It's also beautiful, and it will make you cry. Um... So one of the first things that stuck out to me about the document when I first read it was that the main concept, the legal concept behind the document, the development of the law, etc., the code of families and its connection to the state, is that the state in Cuban society and socialist society exists to protect, safeguard, maintain, and develop a healthy, happy, and safe relationship, livelihood, and existence for the entire people of Cuban society. And so one of those things that they say is most important to that is the right and human kind of guarantee to love, to support, to affection. And I think that is just goddamn fucking beautiful. Not only is it beautiful, but it's like legit. Um, Because like I was saying, like in a socialist state, Of course, the state is a tool by which one class oppresses or controls another through all mechanisms and means. But in a situation where the majority of people, the actual oppressed masses of people, the working class, like all of us, you, me, your mom, your grandma, your fucking cousin, your coworker, your buddy, everyone has a seat in power whether it's locally, whether it's regionally, whether it's nationally, whether it's internationally, whether it's in an organization, whether it's in the political apparatus, whether it's in a particular house or a particular uh, parallel political situation, um, such as, you know, like uh, different sociocultural and other mass organizations. This is all a political tool. This is all politics. This is how 
political power is built, the institutions, the organization, the education, the conscientizing of the people, and the bringing them into actual apparatuses of power. That is what the Cuban state does. That is what the socialist state does as a means by which to secure the state for the masses and against their oppressors, their former colonizers, imperialists, dictators, capitalists, etc. Um, and that is why the Cuban people, right, had a real opportunity to make a actual, like, hegemonic shift in their cultural kind of and legal values and uh, understandings. <clears throat> so, of course, for a document like the Code of Families to come out, for it to guarantee things like uh, polyamorous families, the same right as a monogamous uh, male, female, two children, house type of family, right? The fact that trans people, gay people, lesbians, uh, people who live in familial situations that are multi-generational, people who live in familial situations that are non-romantic, uh, but are uh, like, um, oh, what's the word? When you kind of, as an old person, decide to hunker down with someone and you're like, well, you, well we might as well have each other. Um, starts with a C. The word is on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. But anyways, companion. There we are. Um, <clears throat> they all have the same rights that all families do in the Cuban society, which is a right to free health care, a right to health education, a right to food, a right to proper, cleanly, and stable housing, a right to meaningful and well-paid employment, um, and an opportunity for their children to have a real say in their lives through things like uh, developing autonomy, which uh, there's an actual term for what they call it, but it's essentially at like a certain age, right? It's the, the family's responsibility to kind of develop skills and responsibilities in the child through giving them more autonomy, giving them more responsibilities, giving, wow, I'm using the word responsibility a lot giving them roles in the house, um, and also respecting them in that way, making that be a part of how the child develops their own self-respect and self-worth through being able to be a part of the day-to-day -day life of the family, right? But also in situations where, um, you know, for example, a divorce or a complication in uh, family structure where the question of where the child will go, where the child will spend the majority of their time. Uh, from a very young age, I can't, um, can't guess here. I, I want to say it's early teens, um, but it might be younger. Children actually have a real life say in the placing and procedure by which they kind of come out of these legal battles where if the court, for example, were to decide that because of the financial stability, because of the fact that she is the mother, and because of the fact that she might have uh, a real claim to 
saying that she would be the more responsible parent, right? If the child feels more comfortable or wants deeply to live with the father instead, this really has the same weight and the same level of importance as the pre-mentioned things about the mother. Where they can also decide to go with a grandparent or with a a family friend, right? A guardian, uh, a teacher. Pull straight up Matilda vibes. I just watched that for the first time. Uh, But the same goes for LGBTQ plus children, right? Who want to seek out different types of educational materials. Who want to seek out different kind of clubs or community efforts. Who want to seek out, uh, you know, even something like... Not necessarily transitioning. But talking with people who have transitioned. um, This is common. This is normal. This is, in fact, uh, encouraged. Trans folks, gay folks, polyamorous couples, companion relationships, right? They all had a seat at the table to decide how this code of families would look. There was over, I want to say, 300,000 public meetings over the course of two years. Um after protests and different demonstrations called for the code of families to be updated because of course the cuban people by say 2017 when some of the protests were hitting the streets 2015 a little sooner as well the cuban people were aware of these contradictions they were aware of also the reality where lgbtq plus people should and you know really must be uh, valued as human beings like anybody else and these different relationships, these different family structures, these different parts of the family, you know, elderly folks, uh, disabled family members, um, all have a real power, control, ability to decide. So not only were there all these public meetings, but they actually had something like 70 different draft documents which were submitted and decided upon by and during those public meetings. And of course they landed on this one and still over the course of two years there are people in Cuban society who feel it doesn't go far enough. So that is to say that the actual Cuban existence, the actual Cuban consciousness, the Cuban state, the Cuban communist party the cuban society right nation knows and appreciates and supports and stands up for lgbtq plus people lgbtq plus rights but not just in word in deed in real existence um it made me actually cry watching videos of trans folks walk in and out of the polling booths to vote you know I can't imagine even going to a presidential election in some places in a lot of places in the United States openly as a trans person outwardly you know kind of presenting as a trans person wearing femme clothes and having my nails done and my makeup done 
Because there's like literal Nazis who camp outside of election, you know, poll locations. This is what the Cuban people have been able to do. So, unfortunately, because I kind of ran my mouth a little bit too much about different things. Um, I am pulling up to my job and I do have to end it here. But before I go, I will say that Code of Families is available as a document online. You can look up all the different articles about it, but especially talk to organizations either that have long-standing existing relations with Cuba, like Pensaremos Brigade, like IFCO Pastors for Peace and others, like the National Network on Cuba, um, like the Troika Collective, etc. And read articles, read uh, extensively about how this came to pass, how it came to be passed, how the referendum went, some of the comments and questions and criticisms from different corners of Cuban society. Uh, But also let us look at the fact that the United States does not have a code of families. The United States does not have, nor have any intention to, uh, legally enshrine the rights of LGBTQ plus folks in any meaningful way. Nor does the United States really value or see as human beings LGBTQ plus people. So that is the U.S. government, the U.S. state. The, the people of the United States certainly are reactionary in a lot of senses. But also, uh, as I'm coming to understand at this job, they are also extremely um, kind, uh, caring, and coming to consciousness. So, all that to say, my friends, peace, love, socialism, onwards and forwards, all power to the people, uh, all power to the Cuban Communist Party and the Cuban people, uh, and all love to you all. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.